0: the subject of parenting. If you're grandparents, this will be a a review in many ways, and uh, I hope still helpful for you. If you're not parents yet, I wish that I'd had some of this teaching before I was a parent. And if you are a parent of old or young, these are are great reminders. So if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6... Just remind ourselves what the Word of God says. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In this part of Ephesians, we're in the second half of the epistle where we're being told the implications of the glorious doctrines of chapters 1 through 3, and in this particular section from the end of 5 on, we're in what's uh, what's called sometimes in, by New Testament scholars house house codes or house rules, or where he's addressing husbands and wives and children and slaves, uh, uh, the implications of truth into human relationships, and Of course, we're focusing in these four verses on the responsibilities of children and parents. So, two messages from these four short verses. The first one focuses on the two priorities that a child has in their relationship with their parents. That's verses one through three. Then, after our uh, breakout session and lunch, then we'll come back for the next session, which will be the two priorities in a parent's relationship with their children. And so the word of God is, is clear and we'll kind of have some time to tease out some of the implications of it. So the two priorities in a child's relationship with their parents for this session, priority one you'll see in your notes, obedient action in response to a parent's God-given authority. And then secondly, God requires an honoring attitude in response to a parent's God-given authority. Obedient action and honoring attitude. Observable obedience externally. But God requires, again, like we've been talking about, the heart work that needs to be done. God requires in a child's heart that there be an an honoring attitude, and we'll look at both of those. The the reason that it's helpful for us as parents, these are words that would have been read in Ephesus uh, to children. Children would have heard the word of God speak to them. By us overhearing, as parents and grandparents, by us overhearing what God told children, we're learning what our marching orders are. We're learning what's the scope and sequence of the curriculum of what we're supposed to be training children. And this is what equips a parent to have confidence that they're not being unreasonable. This is what keeps a parent from having a bar that's exasperating and too high and having a standard that is beneath what what the Lord would ask for. And so just being reminded over and over again from a familiar text that what the Lord says is that you are not... You're not even doing your job. You're not being unreasonable to require your child to obey and to honor you. And what happens over time is one begins to doubt that. Sometimes it seems ineffective. Sometimes that seems impossible. The goal seems too lofty. Your children are certainly going to convince you that no one could possibly do what you're asking them to do. And so all that begins to wear down on a parent and you just find yourself over time lowering your standard Uh, Sometimes we're just tempted to look around the world or even our church and say, well, what are most other people doing? And it's just healthy for us to come back to the word and just get our marching orders from God again. By hearing what God tells our children to do, we will have the courage and the, the confidence, the conviction, if you will, to lead out in this way and to lead our children to what is ultimately an unattainable standard that you pray will lead them to the gospel and their need for Christ. So the answer to the the danger of lowering lowering the bar is actually compromising gospel conviction. So let's just remind ourselves, what does God say? And we don't have to wonder or look around the world to figure it out. This is what the Lord says in regards to a child's responsibility to their parent. Priority number one, obedient action in response to a parent's God-given authority. Uh, The command is contained there in the first part of the verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord And then the reason or the motivation is given next, for this is right. And so uh, Colossians adds this, for this is well-pleasing in his sight. Last few years, I've been reading some gospel-emphasized parenting books that begin to stray a little bit and just, I think, uh, well-intended, but begin to get out of their lane and overstate some things, including that children can do nothing to please the Lord Well, in a saving sense, you're right. A child could never do anything to earn the saving favor of God. But to say that a child could never please the Lord in any way, shape, or form is contrary to this. Colossians makes it clear this is well-pleasing in God's sight when children obey their parents. You don't need to fear telling your child it pleases the Lord when you obey unless you're failing to make it clear that God's pleasure and smile of approval on your obedience is the same as being right with God justified by faith through Jesus's atoning sacrifice that I don't want to communicate so the command children obey your parents uh, the word obey actually has the word that we get our word acoustics from it, it has the word hearing it's a listening word it means to listen with a, a, a planned compliance a, a view towards submission So when you're calling a child to obey, you should explain that to them. When God says to obey mommy and daddy, here are a couple of important things. You're obeying, number one, a delegated authority. You can just say, your father and I, or your mother and I, do not have any innate right or authority over you. But what God has done is delegated a measure of authority temporarily in your life to us. And during this chapter of your life, you will obey me, and then the, God will say that throughout your life, you will honor me. but there'll come a time you don't obey daddy anymore. You won't obey Mom anymore. But for now, this is what the Lord asks. So reminding them, number one, your authority is delegated. That you're a man or a woman under orders. We said so many times when we were correcting our children, if I was not to spank you now as God's word teaches me, I would be disobeying God. And we'll talk more about the difference between what the world would call rightly at times abuse and what biblical use of discipline looks like in our session after lunch. But for now, training them that at the sound of your voice through the spoken word, they are to tune their ear to your voice. So teach them your authority is delegated, you have none of your own, you're a man or a woman under orders yourself. I'm obeying God by helping you learn to obey me. Secondly, just teach them the meaning of the word, that it means to listen with a view towards submission. This begins to hint at the honoring because listening well to someone is a very honoring behavior. But, but for now, it's listen with a view to obeying. That means that I should be, the, the, the standard is this, you should be able to speak to your children in a normal tone of voice and your training, your goal is to train them to respond to your normal spoken voice with submission and obedience. And so that's, that's the goal, first time obedience. We're not saying that a child doesn't have to be trained towards that, or that child, by saying that's the goal that children automatically do that, or consistently do that, or once they've mastered it, never go back. That, that, that's not it, we're just saying you don't need to be afraid to hold to the standard of what the word means. They listen to you with a view towards submission. And so we get all kinds of things wrong here. We, uh, we tend to raise our voice or we'll repeat ourselves two and three times. And, and uh, th- those are things that, that we'll just talk about here in a second. That, that's what we're avoiding by just understanding what the word means. So that's the command. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord meaning uh, before the Lord. In the, it doesn't mean only if your parents are Christians. Only obey parents who are in the Lord. That, that can't be what Paul meant. Uh, So to obey in the Lord, uh, like he says in other places, work as unto the Lord. Uh, In the Lord, this kind of obedience is offered and is pleasing. And here's the reason for this is right. Obedience is right in the sight of God. As I already mentioned, Colossians 3.20, the parallel passage adds, for this is pleasing in God's sight. You see in your notes there, just a reminder, disobedience is condemned by God. Romans one thirty sees disobedience as a mark of man's moral depravity. 2 Timothy 3 says disobedient children are a sign of the difficult last days. 1 Timothy 1.9, children who murder their parents are written as those who are contrary to God's laws. So just in case your ground gets shaky and you start to be intimidated. But some of this is very intuitive, but I'll tell you what, as as a pastor who spends a significant part of my ministry teaching on these areas, I'm watching a, think about the implications, a culture that can no longer be certain whether they're male or female. The destruction that will wreak havoc in families and, and authority, some of these things that you think, well, that's very intuitive. Of course, obeying your parents is right. Really? In South Florida, South Florida is really the North transplanted. I mean, so I live in a playground. I live in a culture where people are running away from something. They're either running away from working life and now they're retiring and coming to the playground or they, they're running away in a second chapter of their life. Maybe their family's fallen apart and they've, they've, they've come down largely from the North and the North Midwest. And so Florida's not the South. It's not biscuits and gravy land where you say y'all. It's, uh, it's the North transplanted in many ways as, as a runaway or the fabulously wealthy uh, who just lived there you know, a few weeks a month. So there's, it's just, it, in, in our culture, it's no longer assumed that it's intuitive that obeying your parents would be right. That's up for grabs. That's your opinion. Uh, we recently had an unbeliever come who, who second Sunday was a young college student Second Sunday was in our church, and uh, in the sermon, the the passage as a cross reference about loving your enemies came up, and just n- no no religion, no Bible, no background, nothing, and came up to us and was just saying, I "Love your enemies." Well, what what are y'all about? I've never even heard that phrase, and just thinking, so we're waking up in a post-Christian world, so. This is not a given anymore, and the, and the Spirit in his wisdom knew to place in Scripture the most fundamental things, so that it would, it would do its supernatural work in any culture and in any era, for this is right. So what are the implications of this? Well, I've listed several. Train your children that because of God's command, the first time you speak a command, they must obey. That's a full-time job. If you're a mother with more than one child under the age of three or four in this general area, wow, this is, a, this is a massive, massive ministry. But keep in mind, this is training, and we have to separate what's immaturity and what's rebellion, and that'll be especially important in our next session after lunch. So that's your goal. Don't, don't let them wear you down. Don't, uh, I've often thought, you know, as Tandy and I would watch each other parent, we'd say to each other, honey, you're repeating yourself here. Just raise that bar again, first-time obedience. And, and, and I've thought how challenging and hard it would be to be a single mom or a single father uh, just because you don't have that partner. That it, it would take longer to recognize you've lowered your standard. You don't have somebody else encouraging you. Put the bar high again. Uh, just a couple of things to avoid. Avoid what I call an early warning system or the countdown method. I'm going to count to three. One, two. Why, why are we doing that? I don't know, hoping to buy some success. I don't really wanna to have to stop what I'm doing and discipline you if you disobey. So I'm just hoping some, it's just, it's very selfish and me focused. It, it feels like compassion. I don't want to have to spank their sweet little it's Like, No, really it's, it's about you and, and the inconvenience you feel or the lack of confidence you feel in, in, uh, in what the Lord's called us to do. So an early warning system is actually cutting against the meaning of the word. Train them to hear you. Sometimes what a child will say was, I, you know, I, I didn't hear you. Okay, well then this use of the rod will help you tune your ear to the unique frequency of my voice. Because isn't it funny that we can be in the master bedroom on the other end of the house and I can say, hey, I was thinking about taking a day off next week and we're going to go to Disney. What? <laughs> so you, you heard me then. I mean, selective deafness is a real disease and there is a cure <laughs> the now obviously if they're literally in the other end of the house and didn't hear you that's that's different but in other words if there's a lot of stimuli going on unless you have a child who has you know somewhere on the spectrum where they can't separate stimuli but a, a healthy interactive relational child it, it some of it is a motivation issue and so I know you can't judge their heart. I know you can't see for certain, but there are times when you just know. Uh, parents will often ask, when do you start disciplining a child? How will I know, especially with their first? I say, just trust me, you'll know. There, there's going to come that day, when, but I'm not sure they really understood. Well, there's going to come a day, it usually happens in the high chair, where they keep playing the gravity game. Blip, and you pick up the cup and blip, and you just say, leave your cup here. not don't, do, don't push your cup off. And they look at you and go, push, you'll know. (laughs) You won't be wondering, I'm not sure they understood me. (laughs) Worse yet, some of them look at you defiantly and some of you look at like this. (laughs) Twinkle-eyed, aren't I cute? (laughs) You'll know. So you have delegated authority. You're obligated to a standard of training them to obey you when you speak the first time in a normal tone of voice. That will require training. That will require practice. The question isn't how right now. Isn't how the, how do you get there? The question is, will you agree with God what the end game is? Will you agree that that is the goal? And by definition of the word, that is the goal. Similar to the early warning system, I um, just remind you here: avoid repeating a command multiple times. And the best way I knew to do that was go with a really small font and make the font get bigger. Come to mommy. Come to mommy. I said, come to mommy now. What are you training a child? You don't really mean it till the third time, you know, and so if that's the life you want to live, you can live that life. Teddy and I would just have to say to each other, you can put the bar wherever you want it. Do you want to have to repeat everything you say three times? Do you want to have to intensify? If so, just do this because that's what you're training. You don't really mean it, you know, and so a lot of it, guys, especially, were terrible about sitting in a chair and increasing the intensity of my volume is easier than getting up out of that chair and doing what I need to do so but parenting is just so so non-stop it's so 24-7 we get weary we get tired we get lazy we get self-indulgent and we don't think about it but when you parent in this way you're actually disobeying God forget what your kids are doing now 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 it's our issue and so it is a it's just a, a pervasive task, a, a rare privilege. You, God entrusted to you the training of an eternal soul. That doesn't always feel like a privilege, but it is. Haven't you ever wondered, Lord, why, why did you give children to me while I was still so young and immature? Why didn't you wait until we were mature and then maybe we'd be worthy of you entrusting something like a child to us. And the Lord says, because it works like this. I'm going to use the children to make you mature. And that is, that is his wise plan. Otherwise, you know, with wisdom and experience, why not just give us, like, why aren't our grandchildren our children? You know, we have some life experience. We've had some time to grow in Christ. Because we wouldn't be where we were in Christ for many of us with, without the process of parenting. One other thing to avoid that I think cuts against this command, avoid giving a command followed by seeking your child's approval. Have you heard this? Let's stop hitting our brother with the hammer, okay? It's like, I'm not really asking for sign on here, right? Uh, Don't be afraid of the authority God has delegated to you. Stop hitting your sibling with the hammer, period. Now this will be really hard for you Canadians because all of your declarative statements sound like questions. Let's stop hitting. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? I'm Fred J- Fred Jones. Uh, I don't know, are you? <laughs> so I arrived in Chicago. That's the first time I started hanging around with any Canadians. A lot of Canadian students at, at Moody Bible Institute and it was like, "You guys are really unsure about a lot of things. How does this affect your preaching? The word of God says that sin, what? Are you unsure?" <laughs> So may maybe an additional cultural challenge for you, but don't seek your children's approval. Offer them loving leadership. Teach them what the standard is. Train them to the standard. So if you really want sign off, then replace the okay with this. Did you hear me? Do you understand me? Do you have any questions about what I've just asked you to do? That's appropriate sign off. And you're binding their little conscience when you do that because they can no longer say, I didn't hear you, I didn't understand. So Ted Tripp says in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, obedience is doing what you're asked without challenge, delay, or excuse. We've repeated that mantra to our kids many times. With our our older kids, we added with a happy heart. With our second set of children, I replaced that and said, "It's doing what you're asked without challenge, delay, or excuse." I thought, you know what? Happy heart uh, is—that's—that's not really real. Jesus didn't go to the Garden of Gethsemane with a happy heart; he went with a submissive heart. And so we replaced happy heart with doing what you're asked without challenge, delay, or excuse, with a submissive heart. I really—I don't even—I don't really even care if you're happy right now. Just do what I said. And, uh, and be submissive. So challenge, of course, is a challenge to your authority. Do you have a right to tell me what to do? Delaying is, uh, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it later. An excuse would be an excuse for why I, why I didn't get it done. And Listen, we're all blame shifters. We all struggle taking responsibility for our sin. Uh, so uh, allowing them to have excuses, train, train them out of that. Do their future spouse a favor. And, uh, and train that out of them now. So that's priority one, training their young hearts to actually hear with a view towards submission. Priority number two is training children with an honoring attitude in response to a parent's God-given authority. Again, we have the pattern of command and reason. Here's the command. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And next is the reason. So that it may be well with you And you may live long on the earth. Let's go look at the command before we look at the reason. Honor your father and mother. Just like we need to have the word obedience defined for us, let's just define what biblical honor is. Honor is a loving respect that holds the parents' God given authority in high regard, in high esteem. God tells children, I've delegated authority to your parents. I sovereignly decided who your mother and father would be. I could have sent you to anywhere, any family in the universe, but I've sent you to these imperfect parents whom I have delegated authority, even if they're lost. That's still authority that I gave to them. And you are to hold that position God placed in your life in high esteem. Before we even talk about how to train that in our children, Can I just remind you that that's a quote from one of the Ten Commandments, which were primarily delivered to adults. When Moses came down from Sinai and revealed the heart of God through the law, he, he was primarily talking to an adult nation. This is not, and here's a command for the kiddies. Here was a command for all of God's people. Honor your father and mother you may at times be experiencing having trouble your your children honoring you because for those of you who still live near your aging parents, your children may have seen you dishonor your own parents. Your parents' character is really not, your your honoring of them is not a referendum on whether they're really honorable or not because what you're honoring is you're, you are submitting to and recognizing God chose those parents for me. I came from an unstable home, a confusing home, a home of, of, uh, of people whose character was, was not entirely admirable. Yet I am called, both my parents are deceased now, I'm, I was called while they lived to, to honor my father and mother. And that was a struggle for me. But, but there are so many things about them that are dishonorable. And so when I began to drag my heart through the process of trying to come into compliance with the word of God, this may sound super remedial to you, but when I was trying to figure out, what does honor look like? Honor is an invisible attitude in the heart. Uh, And so for me, it began like this, at the very least, and this is what God's saying. Whatever honor is, it would start here. Do not despise. It's the opposite. Don't despise your parents. And so if you ever have been tempted to despise, to resent, to be embittered, to be hateful in your heart towards your parents, forget training your kids at this point. That's what God is asking us to do. Now, Paul just simply picks up that command and rightly applies it to children in Ephesus. And, but before we could train our children to do anything, we, we're gonna have to deal with our own hearts. So if you struggle in your heart honoring your parents, Simply remind yourself of this. I submit to and honor governing authorities who I don't respect their character, but I recognize that God has placed them there. Frank is a, a, a do you say police officer here? Or is there a fancier title in Canada? Okay. Frank is a, a police officer. Um, if he pulls someone over, your government has delegated authority to him to enforce the laws of your land. And if, if you're speeding and, and you get pulled over, you don't get to roll down the window and say to an officer, whoa, 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 just a minute, before you even sort of talk to me about stuff, tell me about your marriage. <laughs> do you have financial integrity? Uh, are you a Christian? How do you speak to your wife? How do you think that's gonna go with Officer Frank? That has nothing to do with anything. You, you salute the uniform and the office, why? Because that's tradition and that's a Canadian thing to do? Because God said so. Submit to governing authorities. Who placed civil authority over us? At the highest level and the lowest level? God did. Jesus told Pilate, when Pilate said, don't you realize I have authority over you? I can get you sprung out of here or I can have you killed. And Jesus made it plain. You have no authority except what God has chosen to give you. Uh, I have no personal respect for the character of the President of the United States of America. His character? Mm-mm. But God calls me to honor the King. I honor the King in this sense God put President Trump there. That's not a referendum on his character. Nor do I have to uh, be able to affirm his character to say, Aye, aye, Captain, to him and yes, sir, to the Lord. In a very similar way, God gave you your parents with all their imperfections and flaws and all their strengths and weaknesses. Honor them, and by doing so, you honor God. That's what I would say to our children. Well, how do I know if I love God? I say, you know what, just practice by loving and submitting mommy and daddy. That's that's probably the best thing I could tell you right now. So honor your parents. Begin with don't despise them. On the other hand, I have to remind you this, that you cannot allow immature or non-Christian parents to dictate to you what honoring looks like. I'll give you an example. In premarital counseling once, the curriculum I was taking a young couple through suggested that they write a letter to their parents thanking them for their parenting and in a humble way just documenting we're beginning a new chapter. Our relationship will be altered from this point on as a new center of the relational universe begins. And so, so this couple uh, and and asking your parents, how can I honor you best in this next chapter of life? Well, Little Rock, Arkansas is two hours due west of Memphis, Tennessee. And I don't remember now if it was the bride or the groom, but one of them was from Memphis two hours away, two hours plus. And uh, again, the bride or groom's parents responded to the letter by saying, the way you could honor us best would be to come home every weekend. Oh, that's, that's nice to know, mom and dad, what you see as the most honoring thing I could do. But why they, they, they could not comply with that command. That would put them out of step with other biblical commands of not the least of which would be involvement in their local church. And so it was good to find out, wow, that's really meaningful to mom and dad, and we will do that as often as we can while trying to build our new home, our new marriage, and keep our involvement in the church. So so asking your parents, what are the things I do that are m- most honoring, even as an adult? How can I honor you best? You can inform yourself with that. It just cannot, by definition, become your marching orders. Now, what they say might be something you can easily accomplish and not be in uh, failing to be in compliance with other things that God has asked you to do besides honoring your parents. So it, it, it's not going to be as simple as asking them, though it would be wise to say, what are the things I do that make you feel most honored? Or are there any things I ever do that make you feel dishonored? That would be a harder question to ask, but might also be good to know. But they can't become your marching orders. In other words, honoring is a private attitude in your heart that no one could really dictate Nevertheless, I'd want to know what do I do that makes you feel most honored? When do you perceive I honor you best? Use that to be informed, but it, it cannot by definition become your marching orders. So before you're going to press your own children, you're going to have to do some work perhaps in your own heart. Do you honor your own parents in the privacy of your heart? Would your words be noted as honorable towards your parents? have to be careful of this in my counseling when I'm having to just honestly describe some of the things that the Lord taught me in the childhood home I grew up and give an honest assessment about certain histories of things that happened multi-generational in my family. Um, how do I do that and not dishonor, you know now even now I'm even now my deceased parents. And, and, and it's really it's not so much about what I would choose to disclose to you as much as what's the attitude in my heart at the time I'm doing it? Am I enjoying, hanging dirty laundry? Is there any part of me that would like you to think ill of my parents or feel sorry for me? There's all kinds of ways you could mess this up, but it's a heart. No one can answer for you. Only you and your conscience and the Lord could say, do you, have you honored your own father and mother? And you may need to repent of that and just say, no, I've not, Lord. I've often wondered why in the world you didn't You know, give me better parents. To which you ought to ask your heart, what makes you think you deserved better parents? Right? There's presumption there, isn't there? That that my life should be a certain way. So honor your father and mother and then train your children to honor you as well. That can sound rather self-serving, but nevertheless, that's why you have to be encouraged. God says to do this. I've said, even in the last year, dozens of times, listen, child. I don't have a sick need to be honored by you. I don't have a, a great insecurity that gets filled by adolescence affirming me. I'm just telling you, God says to honor me for your good. Because if you can't honor me when I don't make sense to you, trust me. What God is going to ask you to do the rest of your life will often not make sense to you. Just just honor, be honorable towards me, trust me. Ed. And so it's important. So here are just some outward manifestations, especially in the early years uh, for how you would, again, it's an inner attitude, but how would I know if my child's inner attitude is in compliance and actually is honoring? Well, here are some outward signs. Number one, when children are young, making eye contact with you when you speak to them. And really not just with you, you have a great opportunity, particularly in the church and at schools, to teach them to be respectful by making eye contact with authority. There are some children that are very shy. I've had children you know, who we would carry into church and there's Mr. Jones, we, we would practice. Mr. Jones is gonna say hi to you when you get to church this morning and I don't want you burying your face in my armpit. I want you to look at Mr. Jones and say hello. And we practice and I'm not saying every time they don't do that, that's an automatic defiance. It's, it's allowing them to mature, that's immaturity. But there does reach a certain age when they're old enough to understand. And by now we've been working on this. It could become an issue of defiance. So you've probably met those children, the shy children, sometimes defiant children. But haven't you also also met a kid that gives off a vibe that goes, you're not, you don't intimidate me. You're not really worthy of my eye contact and I'm not giving it to you. There's, There's attitudes in there. So that's the opposite of honoring. So train them to make eye contact with you when you speak. That's a very honoring behavior. Uh, to make eye contact with other authority figures in their life. Obviously, honor can be shown by respectful word choices and a respectful tone of voice. You know, you can ask a, a child, did you do such and such? Yes, I did. You annoying human being who shouldn't be asking me, how could you ever question whether I would do what you've asked me to do because I have a, a pure track record of compliance and obedience. Right? That tone of voice is not honoring Yes, what's it really expressing? You irritate me. You're bothering me. So train them not only word choices, but even tone of voice. Yes, you are in your home the tone police. Thirdly, honoring facial expressions and body language. A huge amount of communication happens that's not just words and not just tone, but other body language that goes with it. Most notably in young adolescents, the rolling of the eyes. It's so what the proverb says, it's one of the, the seven things God hates is haughty eyes. <sighs> right? That's just is there anything more irritating than that? <laughs> one of my kids has developed a I've told them not to do it again, but I'll say something, and rather than honoring me fully, they'll let me go. <laughs> and in my heart, when I've said, I'm gonna break that thumb. <laughs> No, do not do not stick your thumb up at me. I, 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 it just means I, no, no. Just say yes. It's super simple. It requires actually less work than this. Just and it bothers me. Just don't do it. Attentive listening. That 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 goes right along with eye contact. But put your phone down when I'm speaking to you, and listen to me. Give me give me. It, it, it's what Solomon says over and over again, and particularly Proverbs one through nine. Listen to me. Give me your heart. Let the words that fall from my mouth, tie them like, you know, string around your finger. Put them like a necklace around your neck, like a, like a laurel on your head. But, but be warned, parents, if you're gonna call for that kind of attentiveness to hang on your every word, then you better make sure that what comes out of your mouth is scriptural and not opinion. You, know, you, can't, you can't beg for that kind of attentiveness if what you're not gonna distribute isn't biblically informed. You also can't ask them, give me your heart, because that's really what Solomon is saying. Give me your eyes, give me your attention, give me your heart. If you're not giving them your heart, they'll just resent the uneven playing field. So you get to be the distributor of all things in a one-way communication, but you rarely give me your full eye contact when I'm trying to talk to you about things that admittedly are often not as interesting to, to you as it, as it is to them. So attentive listening. You want to model that in both directions. As we spoke earlier, soft-hearted submission and compliance, that's, that's just a part of honoring. What you're really looking for is just the tender relinquishing of their desires and their agenda. I've often said to the kids in times of discipline, I need you, especially when they were little. Uh, the instrument that I would use to, uh, to train them was, was small and pliable. And I would just take that, that they're getting ready to be spanked with, and I would just bend it like this and just said. You need to, I want you to bend your will to the shape of my will. And right now your will is like this and my will is shaped like this. Bend your will to the shape of mine. Jesus did that in the garden and it was really hard for him in the garden of Gethsemane. Daddy regularly has to bend his will to the shape of God's will for my life. Practice what God will ask you to do with him. Practice that with daddy now. Bend your will. That's a a part of that honoring. So the tender relinquishing of their agenda and their desires, which comes hard to all of us. And we'll talk more in the next hour about empathizing with your sinful child. You, You never want to communicate to them that anything but this, when it comes to sin, you and I are peers. Me and you. Your daddy and you. We're peers in sin. I may be a generation older than you. Chronologically, we're not peers when it comes to struggling with sin, being infected by sin, needing to battle sin, needing to be forgiven for sin, you and I are peers. And you know what we accidentally do is send the opposite signal. When you say things in irritation like, what is wrong with you? You know what's wrong with them. And he used to say to me, why am I so shocked by our kids' sin? I've met their parents. <laughs> why would I be shocked that we gave birth to sinners? But, but that think about the condescending nature of what you're communicating. That sin is a foreign concept to me. I don't ever sin. What is your problem? Man, that is just detrimental to the parenting process. And we do that in a thousand different ways. The glue that binds parents and, heart, and children's hearts together is the opposite. The, the humble glue of saying, I can relate. I have the same struggle. As a matter of fact, Though it really irritates me, one of the things that's hardest for me about that sin you're doing is, ah, that's me. Would you just stop being a little 3D hologram walking around the house? You wanna see what you look like, Dad? Watch this. I mean, there's a tone of voice I've heard the kids, the boys especially use with their mother, and I'm like, ah, oh, I know where that came from. So knock it off. <laughs> so you are a peer in sin and you glue your heart by admitting, I struggle with sin too. They'll make it much easier for them to honor you. Some of you are afraid you'll lose your authority if you do that. Or if you were to ever ask forgiveness of your children because you failed. Look, newsflash, your kids figured out by age four you are a flawed individual. And they've chosen, for the most part, to love you and forgive you anyway. And a whole new level comes with adolescence where they kind of walk out. You can just tell. I mean, I love elementary years. That is great to me because they still think I am Superman. But one day, every one of them, and it happens in an unexpected day, I don't know why, but one day they walk out of the room and you can tell, somewhere overnight, they looked you up and down and went, you are a seriously flawed human. (laughs) You're not Superman. And I don't believe in you anymore. That is so good for me and I hate it so much. I love being worshiped by my children. Sometimes that's why we struggle in the adolescent years. It doesn't feed your ego anymore. They're not blind. And maybe they were never blind to your weaknesses, but they were too kind to speak it. And something happens. Hormones hit and they lose their filter. They're more than happy to speak it. And then the honoring training just happens all over again in a new wave. Why is it that we should call our children to honor? Well, number one, he says it's the first commandment with a promise what he means by first commandment there is it's a priority command. It actually isn't the first commandment that has a promise with it. So he doesn't mean first in time, the first time that God's ever uttered a command that had a reward associated with it. He means this is a top flight priority command. So children in Ephesus, hearing this letter read, uh, children, honor your father and mother. It is a top flight, number one priority uh, commandment with with a promise. And, And it has a promise of what? so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Paul is alluding to or quoting two different passages here, one in Exodus, one in Deuteronomy, and it's it's a summary statement of the rewards and benefits and protection that obedience provides. This is not a law of longevity. So if a child dies at a young age, that does not mean guilt-edge guaranteed they didn't honor their parents. Uh, that's, that's not what he's saying, but he's just saying there are blessings and protections that generally come long life and a, and a different quality of life that comes to those who who obey these commands and, and honor the Lord in this way. And so these are prop, top two commands that we find ourselves ah, just hard for us to keep these up. Hard for us to hold this standard in sometimes because of laziness and self-indulgence on our part, sometimes because of uh, a, a fear that we may, a fear that I'm being unreasonable. And that's why, you know, when I've, I teach this material sometimes in Jupiter and I'll just have parents come, could you just do it again this summer on uh, Wednesday nights? I just need to hear it again. And uh, there's a part of me because I need to hear it once a month at least what is the standard? Am I being unreasonable? Am I asking too much? Am I asking too little? Well, God has kind of objectified it for us here. So you don't have to make it up as you go along. So we're a little bit early, but I'm ready to land the plane here on this. So if we want to go to small groups, we can. But if that messes up the luncheon, we could certainly fellowship together while they finish preparing.